0: You're listening to the Global Edge Business Beat, brought to you on the Michigan Business Network. I'm your host, Jade Sims, from the International Business Center in the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University. Today, we're speaking with Sam Kaplan, and Sam is located in the Seattle area, and he is the director of the Center of Excellence in Global Trade and Supply Chain Management, and that's housed um, in Highline College. So welcome, Sam.
1: Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: So given Seattle's strategic position as a real gateway um, between the U.S. and Asia, and also being located so close to the Canadian border, like we are here in the state of Michigan, um, I imagine a lot of your local economy is really dependent on international trade.
1: That is definitely true, yeah. Uh, As part of a different organization a few years ago, we did a study on how dependent we are on international trade, And the number we came up with is 40% of jobs in Washington state are tied to international trade in one way or another. That's certainly true of the big companies, you know, Boeing, uh, when they're able to sell airplanes, uh, about 80% of their customers are international. Uh, More than 60% of Microsoft, a lot of Amazons, Starbucks is huge internationally. Uh, And then all of our medium-sized and small-sized companies, many of them are doing stuff internationally. So it's it's a really big part of the, the state's economy and things uh, uh, during the COVID crisis. You know, the, the internet is holding up remarkably well. We're able to do this via internet. And the Seattle area is the center of the cloud uh, with Amazon Web Services, and Microsoft's uh, Azure. So a lot of what you and I are doing these last two months is powered by industry in Washington state and a lot of that is international. They didn't even talk about the ports and logistics industry. Um, we have the third largest port complex in the United States, the Northwest Seaport Alliance, and there are about 150, actually 160,000 jobs in logistics and supply chain in Washington state,
0: which is more than
1: there are in aerospace industry in Washington, even though Boeing commercial airplanes is headquartered here. So yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head. Uh, Asia is obviously very important to us. Canada is right next door. We actually do a fair amount with Europe as well. Um, Seattle is equidistant by air to both Europe and Asia. So there's a lot of, lot of services trade with Europe and uh, a lot of interactions with air cargo because of the really where we can get to Asia and Europe in the same amount of time.
0: So that definitely explains um, why we send so many of our supply chain graduates from Michigan State University and out to, to the businesses in the Seattle area. Um, so it sounds like uh, you're probably our biggest if not one of our biggest markets for those students once they finish up their their degrees here.
1: We love to have them. (laughs) It makes sense. It's a big We miss them,
0: but we're glad you give them jobs. Um, Can you talk, Sam, a little bit about how you and your center and the college, Highline College, where you're located, how do you work to prepare students to be part of this global workforce?
1: Yeah, sure. So our center is located at Highline College, which is just south of Seattle. But we work with industry and with colleges all over Washington State around workforce development issues in the trade and logistics and supply chain sector. There's probably more than 20 international business and logistics and supply chain programs at various colleges in Washington State. One of the things we did, one reason I could tell you all those data in the previous question is, we just finished a new economic analysis of the industry. So we provide this analysis to all our, all our programs and it talks about where the jobs are, what kind of jobs there are so they know what kind of training to provide for their students and a variety of other data and information. Uh, a new thing we're starting uh, coming out of the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is a collaboration of practice group. We're bringing together different uh, programs and they're going to learn from each other's best practices, some of the challenges, and also really delve into what they're doing with bringing things online and doing virtual courses, which all of our schools have had to do the last couple of months and may have to continue to do for a certain amount of time. And may choose to do partly, even as we are able to start getting together physically, they may want to incorporate some of those virtual and online learnings uh, that they've been doing over the last couple months. And as part of that, we are working with some people to create a virtual textbook chapter on following the supply chain. Uh, that will allow our students in various business classes to spend part of their time following goods in the supply chain in a real practical way. We'll have uh, uh, speakers and Zoom sessions and online readings that uh, can be used for this. And it was inspired out of a follow the supply chain study abroad program we started last year where we had students from four different colleges follow apples from Washington state to Vietnam through the supply chain and Brooks running shoes. Brooks sports is headquartered in Seattle. Uh, They're they're assembled in Vietnam and follow how they're designed in Seattle, assembled in Vietnam and how they go through the supply chain. Uh, So we brought a whole bunch of students through that this year. We're unlikely to be able to do that physically because of the pandemic, but we're going to try and replicate that. Uh, in this virtual textbook chapter.
0: That sounds fantastic. You guys really have got your finger on the pulse of what's going on, and it sounds like you've pivoted really quickly in order to um, make the best of the situation we're in, so kudos to you for that.
1: Thanks. We're trying. We're learning. I'm sure we're going to make some mistakes, but we'll we'll try and learn from those mistakes as well.
0: Yeah, we all are. So, you know, as you said, we're really starting to act differently and think differently about how we are interacting with the world right now. And you know, both in our personal lives and professionally, definitely supply chain is, is something that's just a really fascinating area right now. You have a weekly newsletter. It's an e-newsletter called The International Need to Know. And I was so excited when when you pointed this out to me and I did it in my inbox because I think you you think about these issues really deeply and very very broadly as well um, from a very integrated perspective and so I want to hear your opinion and how you see us moving forward um, as a society and in terms of global trade um, in the short and the medium terms given what's happening
1: yeah thanks and thanks for reading international need to know I, I very much appreciate it um,
0: uh, so
1: it, it it allows me to really focus on what's going on around the world and try and communicate it to other folks who I know have interest in it. And uh, it gave me an insight into to the pandemic early on because I, in addition to writing the newsletter, I've also been working on a book about China. So I've been following China very closely, even more closely than usual, since last October when I started writing the book. And so I, I was probably one of the first people to write about the novel virus that occurred in Wuhan I think I wrote about it on January 9th in my newsletter. And it quickly became clear as I saw how it was affecting China and its economy uh, that it was probably going to have more of an impact on supply chains around the world than anything since September 11th. And that's only become more true since it's spread around the world. I mean, I think we've all read about people trying to diversify out of China. That was happening even before the pandemic hit uh, because of higher labor labor prices in China, because of the US-China trade war, because of companies trying to fr- finding it difficult to do business in China with the difficult political situation there. Uh, when we brought the students to Vietnam, for example, one of the factories we went to, that was in China four years ago, but would moved to Vietnam. And that had nothing to do with the trade war. This was before the trade war. That had to do with labor prices going up in China. So you, you're already seeing this, but it's really been accelerated. And the pandemic is making that even more so. Um, People are wanting to diversify their supply chains. You already see Japan is subsidizing Japanese companies to move out of China and come back to Japan or move to other parts of Southeast Asia. India is actively trying to recruit companies to come to India. So you're you're seeing a lot of things changing. All that being said, I see a lot of people talking about globalization is coming to an end. I don't think that's true at, at all. I think global supply chains are changing, but you're still going to have global supply chains. They're just going to be formed differently, and there's probably going to be more redundancies and a little bit less reliance on on-time uh, supply chains because we've seen the vulnerabilities of that. And you have a big crisis like a, a pandemic or some other crisis that could occur in the future. But that being said, the 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 uh, it's been remarkable how well supply chains have held up over the last. Three months. You're not really seeing so far huge food shortages. You see things here and there. About a month and a half ago, I was in a a local grocery store and there was no ice cream, which to me was a catastrophe. Oh
0: no, (laughs) me too.
1: But but, but then a week and a half later, there's been plenty of ice cream. People were very worried about medicine. I know early on, I I, uh, bought some extra heart medicine for our cat. Our cat takes heart medicine, believe it or not. He takes four different types of medications. Wow. He's like an old man living in, in uh, Florida. Um, but him, <laughs> so I was worried that we were going to run out of heart medicine. There actually has been no problem with getting the heart medicine. So the, the supply chains have actually held up really well so far. And of course, we should always say so far in a pandemic like this. And, and also, if you look at the vaccines, that people are trying to develop, that's happening in eight different countries around the world. If you look at treatments that people are trying to develop, that's happening around the world at many different, in many different countries. So that we're more globalized might have helped spread the virus more quickly, but it's also going to probably save us. The other thing I read this the other day is the number of therapies entering the pipeline is at a rate 15 to 80 times faster than in past epidemics. And that is doing a lot to uh, globalization and more countries with the capacity and more countries working together to develop these ser- therapies. So uh, I think that it's been oversold, the end of globalization uh, it's gonna change in some ways, but it's probably what's gonna actually save us uh, more quickly than we would have been uh, in the past pandemic.
0: That's a great perspective, Sam. Well, thank you for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, anytime. Uh, uh, hopefully we'll get to see you again someday. Uh, out in seattle or me out in michigan when we we can all travel again
0: fantastic i look forward to it this has been the global edge business beat brought to you on the michigan business network i'm your host jade Sims, and i hope you're able to tune in next time